Welcome to our sixth episode of Two Tankers and a Cat. We are your hosts, Charlie. And I'm Russell. And I gotta tell you right now, Lightning the Cat is literally on the back of my chair. She's been jumping around since we've got here. So if you hear strange noises or meows or you hear little metal balls getting smacked around in the back, it's Lightning trying to put in for the show. Yeah, she's wound up tonight. That's for darn sure. Well, Russell, before we jump in, I know you have some announcements and some pretty exciting stuff that is new. Can you give us uh, what's coming up and some other stuff? Yeah, I've got a couple of announcements here and then a couple shout-outs. I'll start with the announcements. Um, I do want to tell all you guys out there that I did set up a telephone number where our podcast fans can leave us a voicemail. Uh, that number is 785-380-9844, 785-380-9844, and I will put that on our Facebook page and also the podbean.com, uh, our server page, where we've got our podcast. The reason for this number, you can use the telephone number to leave us a voicemail with your comments, uh, even if you just want to give us a quick hello. Uh, you can also give your recommendations for any future podcasts that you think we might be interested in in researching and doing for our podcasts. But what we want to do with these voicemails is actually play the voicemails on our future podcasts. So you're saying, like, my sister Marie is a big fan and she's always been following us in day one. She could just call this number and say, hey, you know, something cute, and we could put it on the yeah, podcast? yeah, yeah. That's the way. That's the way it will work. Well, if you're listening to this now, give us a call. We'll put you on there and make you part of it. Yeah. We ask, make it a tank-related question, or you know, or just a simple "Hey from Texas" or wherever you're from, and no profanity, please. Oh yes, please keep it clean. I mean, I can I can still edit it, but please try to keep it clean. Now we have some big, big news. I can't wait to tell you guys this. Russ, tell us, tell us about the big news. Yeah, our, our big news. Um, we've got some really exciting news about a trip that uh, Charlie and I both took to Fort Benning, Georgia, um, during Veterans Day of this year on November eleventh, twenty eighteen. Uh, we learned so much from this trip. Truly, look forward um, to include some of the things that we got to see and learn about on this exciting trip in, in our future podcast. I mean, we've got so much content from this trip that it's just incredible. And we are so grateful to the men and women of uh, the army base out at uh, Fort Benning, um, whether it was the security check-in or just at the PX, you know, the, the entire service out that is amazing. Uh, the people uh, at the restoration, the military just walking around answering questions. Just a great bunch of group of guys. The, the tri- our trip actually um, included visiting an open house at the U.S. Army Armor and Cavalry Collection um, there on the base. And it, and it was so simple to get in. I mean, you can pretty much get onto any Army base anymore with your proper ID and checking in at the front gate and and going in and seeing these museums that's out there on these bases. It, it was just incredible. Now, when we say it was easy to get on the base, understand, we don't, we are also police officers, but we have, uh, we live in a state where our uh, our state ID is recognized as being a correct federally guidelined 
uh, ID yes. and passports and stuff like that. Yeah. We don't have any felonies. We don't have anything that's yeah, going to show do, up Yeah, they on. do background checks and everything on you when you do check in at these it, at the It's basically states. NCIC. And, and they're looking, and you take it one look at me, and they're like, oh, it's an old fat guy that wants to look at tanks yeah. and his buddy. <laughs> so they really don't give us too much. But if you go in with a smile on your face and you treat them with respect, you're going to get respect back. Cause exactly. These people, these people really know their respect. Yes, yes. And I don't know if you've ever been to Georgia, but um, I, that was basically one of my first trips to Georgia. And Atlanta's airport is efficient, but good God, it's huge. Oh, yeah. I, I, it, it blew my mind. That's probably one of the bigger airports I've ever flew in and out of. If you're, if you're going to go through uh, TSA and, and Atlanta... Uh, give yourself time. Yeah. We, we gave ourselves a ton of time. <laughs> yes, we, we did. But we sat around and we had a wonderful meal at the Varsity. I guess that's kind of a famous restaurant down in Georgia. We had a great time, even at the airport. Did some shopping there, and then we're like, "All right, time to go back to Kansas City." Yeah, it, it was a good. It was a good flight. We it used, really was. Uh, Southwestern. Yeah, it really was. I prefer to fly United because. My uh, my daughter actually is a flight attendant for United Airlines, and she listens to the show. And uh, but uh, Southwest will get you there for uh, cheap. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> I think it was eighty nine bucks. Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. Yeah, well, we we didn't get the first class. No, it definitely wasn't first class. They 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 were kind of like here, you animals, just sit down. <laughs> Talking about the just the whole Atlanta, it was it was a good Georgia was a good vibe. Yeah. The people were down there were friendly. Um, I, I I had no problem with Georgia. Nope. I really enjoyed it. Nope. We in fact we plan to go back. Oh, I look forward to going back. I do really do. Now, when we talk about the open house, they basically have just a metal building warehouse. Yeah. That yeah. They've got some of their tanks. Uh, there, there's tons of tanks, and Russell's got tons of video and audio and. It's just we have content for months. At least. Oh yes, we do. And we uh, really do. And we made some really good friends down there. And the the guys that let us go in and look at some of the restoration stuff. Seriously. Yeah. God bless you. And oh, I know. You you made two old guys very happy. Exactly. Yes. Russell actually got to hang out with the a real Jag Tiger people. You should have seen him. His his face his his smile was actually touching ear to ear. Oh wow, yeah. And it, it's, uh, it's it's just indescribable the history and the tanks we got to see. Did you want to do any more shout outs or any more? Uh anything? yeah, I just just a couple more announcements here real quick. Um we're currently at about 50 likes on our two tankers and a cat Facebook page. Uh, I do want to thank all of our fans that follow us on Facebook. If you haven't found us on Facebook yet, please, please search for Two Tankers and a Cat Podcast and give our page a like. Um, That's how we plan on getting any information out there. Show notes. You can find any show notes that we have on there for any podcasts we're putting out. Um, And it would also be helpful if you guys would share our podcast when it comes out on every other Tuesday. Um, on Facebook. If you guys shared that, that would be extremely helpful. We're also sitting at about uh, 170 downloads so far of our podcasts. That's awesome. I know. It's just, we truly want to thank all those folks who's downloaded through Facebook off of podbean.com, which is our server site. We just want to thank you guys for listening 
to any of our past podcasts. It, it, it truly means a lot to us that you're enjoying the content that we're actually putting out there. Let's go back to Fort Benning. We owe somebody there a big shout-out. Oh, yes, an extremely huge shout-out. I would like to give a huge shout-out to Mr. Rob Kogan, curator of the U.S. Army Armor and Cavalry Collection there at Fort Benning. You're the man. Oh, you're darn right you are, man. You made our day. Actually, you probably made our year and even the next several years for what you did for us. Charlie and I really want to thank you for putting on the open house to begin with and just taking time out of his schedule. Exactly. This is a guy yes. that was in a ZZ Top fine dress man or sharp dress man suit that went out in the mud and pouring rain. And yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Cow peeing on a rock. <laughs> and he smiled and, and took us out there and was extremely cool. You know, people say, oh, well, they he did that because you're cops. And he goes, no, you yeah. know, because you guys flew all the way from Pittsburgh, Kansas. Exactly. Here just to see this tank. Yeah. You know, props to you. But he, he could have been at home and, you know, having a beer. His wife was cooking dinner. And he's out in the rain with t- t- us two. Yeah. Going, hey, would you mind if I just laid on the tank and just rolled around like I was <laughs> yeah. I was eating catnip or something? He's like, uh, yeah. all right, as long as you leave your clothes on. And I do want to say that, in, in my eyes anyway, man, you got the best job ever. I mean, absolutely. I, 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 I called it tank heaven, to be honest with you. If there, if there is such a thing as... A heaven for tank. I'm I'm telling you, down there at Fort Benning was has got to be it. Oh, we got to do another sh- shout out. out there. Yeah, I've got one more. Uh, the second shout out I'd like to give is to another gentleman that I met during this open house. We attended up there at Fort Benning on Veterans Day this year. Um, that shout out goes to Charles Davenport from Georgia. Oh, isn't he the modeler guy? Yeah, Mr. Davenport informed me that he's been doing some 3D modeling of tanks. And he brought up that he's currently modeling the the Chinese twin air and anti-aircraft 37mm T-3485 tank. Isn't that the one I spent, we kind of, well, I kind of tricked you into going yeah, behind. Yeah, it is. It, it's, we, yeah. We, we uh, did not go behind a, a fence in a area on an army base and... I didn't go in there and start rolling around on it. No, no. No, no. Uh, um, maybe I shouldn't have been there. Maybe Russ was like, get back in the car so we can get yeah, out of here before yeah. the MPs come and shoot you in the face. Oh, it wasn't quite that bad. He's embellishing the story a little bit. Yes. But <laughs> yes. But it's actually, it was actually, actually, it was sitting this summer. It was sitting behind a museum there on the Fort Sill, Oklahoma Army base. But, and, and Charlie and I... I spotted it and yeah. freaked out. I'm like, oh, go, go yeah. there, go there. And he goes, I don't think we're, I'm like, I'm like oh, I'll, <laughs> I'll do my time. Just let me on it. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this particular tank in, in a future podcast coming up. Now, Davenport sent us some photos, didn't he? Yes, yes. Um, he, he picked all kinds of photos um, for his 3D modeling, and he actually forwarded those to me, which I very much appreciate. Uh, yeah, that was awesome of him to do that. Um, what about this National Armor and Calvary Heritage Foundation? Can we get some people to maybe back them up, send them some money, yeah, or get involved um, in there? I thought I'd talk about that a little bit. The National Armor and Calvary Heritage Foundation, the decision to move the U.S. Army Armor Collection uh, from Fort Knox, Kentucky, and the Aberdeen 
Proving Grounds, Maryland, made in response to a congressional mandate as a result of the 2005 Base Realignment and Closure Committee. A particular collection of armor actually exists to train current and future generations of armor and cavalry soldiers. So we'd like to point out that at no point is this a museum. Um, yes, it had historical tanks in there, and we're going to talk about we haven't even told people what we're talking about this episode. Uh, the Christie. We're actually going to talk about the Christie and the Christie suspension. But uh, this is the found. This isn't a museum. They actually use this to train current soldiers. Talk more about that, Russ. That's interesting. Since all armor and cavalry training is now conducted at Fort Benning, Georgia, um, the collection was moved with the armor school to maintain the ability to train and educate the current and future mounted forces. Um, That was an Army decision um, based on a congressional order to actually make this move down to Fort Benning. The National Armor and Cavalry Heritage Foundation is a private, non-profit foundation dedicated to building a state-of-the-art facility and put portions of this collection um, back on public display so that we can expand our education on our history, service, and and sacrifice to all. Now... How can somebody support the, this foundation? Do we have, are we going to link that to our Facebook? Yes, yes, I will have that here in just a little bit, the information on how you can actually donate and, and support this particular foundation. Um, the foundation will actually act as the voice of the Armor and Calvary community um, to ensure the participation and inclusion of all stakeholders in the process. Uh, stakeholders are defined as the Armor and Calvary community, military veterans, Greater Columbus, Georgia community, uh, the U.S. Army, and the communities that support the Army and the military. So pretty much what they're wanting to do and that what we found out what their actual plans are is that by 2020, they plan to build a larger facility that'll hold, what did we hear, about 200 tanks, I believe. Right. They're on the base at Fort Benning. The bu- the building they're in now literally was almost busting with tanks. I mean, what would you say? How many tanks was in that building? Maybe F- what? 30, 40 maybe? 50? Yeah, maybe up to 50. It, it was jam-packed. People. Yeah, yeah. It, literally, I could touch a tank and then stick my foot out and touch the side of a building. Exactly. From tank, it was yeah. they barely separated. Uh, where even I, I, as a fat guy, was like, some of these are really close together. Yeah. And what's amazing is they had refurbished tanks that they had just painted and are ready to go in that building, and they didn't have room for that building. And there was probably, what, another 40 to 50 out? Oh, easy. Out I, 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 bet, I bet it was probably... Fifty to seventy-five that was out there in the in the lot that we seen, yeah. And, and we're talking about we saw uh, a T thirty-four or no SU one hundred, yeah, Russian tank destroyer, yeah, a T thirty American tank destroyer, big heavy one, a just a Russian T thirty-four tank, yeah, um, just just and the Churchill what. Churchill 7. Yeah, yeah. saw the Churchill 7. <laughs> Russ is like, get off the fence. Oh, man. I, I was like, oh, I, oh. I got to touch it. And it was only like a few inches away from me. Yeah. I, I couldn't get to touch it. I know. 
but it's just sitting out there, yeah. and they don't have a building for it. Yeah, exactly. And the foundation is yeah. helping them. Yes, the foundation is wanting to raise the money um, to build this building that will hold about 200 tanks that are on Fort Benning. And what they want to do is continue having open houses, kind of like the one that we went to, to where the public will have access to it, but not just in a museum setting quite yet. What their next plan would be is to actually continue raising the funds and build a public museum that the public can go into and actually see some of these tanks. Now, they could still let the current military guys oh yes yes they will have access to all that for their training yes yeah you know the lottery was what 1.3 billion dollars finally a couple weeks ago if i won that type of money that's oh yes trust me i can buy a million dollars worth of cigars and beach sand yeah but you know for to be known have your name on a plaque somewhere for a museum that's amazing i mean just just the tanks we've seen and the history there with those tanks in in this collection is just incredible. I mean, it's something you probably won't ever see in the United States anywhere else. Yeah. And, and guys like us and, and the guys down in Georgia and the military are busting their butt trying to make this stick around. Yeah. And believe me, people, there are people that would look at this and see scrap metal. They don't care about the tanks. They don't care about the history. They would burn, melt all this down. You need to get involved. Yep. You know, if you're yeah. if you're gonna change the world, you got to get up. Yep. If you are interested in donating money um, to the National Armor and Calvary Heritage Foundation, you can contact them on their Facebook page, uh, org, and that link will be put on our Facebook um, when this episode comes out. Excellent. When you do go to that page, what you'll want to do is hit the big red donate button at the top of their website and help them get this extremely worthwhile cause off the ground, man. I mean, like I said, they're using these tanks to train our future soldiers. And they're given a chance to keep the history. Exactly. You know, this is something that we can do, people. Yes. Everybody's like, well, I'll donate a dollar. You, you think that's a joke? Donate do a dollar. It. Do it. Good. I challenge you. Yeah. You know, uh, they don't care about the size of the donation. No. They're like, oh, what's a dollar going to do? You know what? Buy a coat of paint. Yeah. Buy a bolt. A thousand yeah. people gives a dollar. Yeah. What do you got? Yeah. I mean, holy cow. What, what's that one song? If everybody, if a million people donated one dollar. Yeah. That'd be a million dollars. Exactly. There you go. Yep. Hey, let's get on the tank now. I want to get talking about this Christie series of medium. Yeah, um, John Walter Christie, um, born May 6, 1865. He died January 11, 1944. He was an American engineer and inventor, and he's best known for developing the Christie suspension system used in a number of World War II-era tank designs, um, most notably the Soviet BT and T-34 series and the British Coventer and Crusader cruiser tanks, as well as the Comet heavy cruiser tank. In 1916, with the first World War raging in Europe, 
He developed a prototype four-wheeled gun carriage for the U.S. Army Ordnance Board. Um, but the Ordnance Board had set out strict guidelines for weapons, and Christie refused to revise his designs to, to suit their requirements. Uh, Christie's own personal stubbornness and his habit of offending those in the U.S. Army and Ordnance bureaucracy would have uh, ramifications for the rest of his career. Now, what we know about Christie is there's no doubt that he was a genius, but he was kind of a butthead. Yeah. You know, let's be honest. Yeah. A lot of people that we know that are geniuses, um, they have to have it their way. Um, I remember uh, we were down at the Fort Benning Museum, and they said one of the things, uh, the concern with the ordinance people, they asked Christie, well, what happens when it breaks down? He goes, don't worry about it. My mechanics will fix it for you. Well, <laughs> the U.S. Army is not going <laughs> not to hire. Exactly. They'll use their They'll mechanics. They'll use theirs, yes. And he's like, no, no, you're going to use mine. Yeah. Like, no, if we're going to pay for it, you know, we're, we're going to give you a fair deal. We're going to give you cash, but you're going to train us how to use it. He's exactly. Like, yeah. No. Yep. The Christie Medium Tank, the M1919, was designed in an attempt to produce a tank that could operate on wheels or tracks. Yes, I said wheels or tracks. In order to reduce the number of vehicles breaking down before getting into action. During the First World War, uh, Mr. Christie had produced a number of designs for gun motor carriages, including the wheel and track 8-inch GMC, uh, which would carry an 8-inch howitzer and use four road wheels that could be run with or without tracks. After the war, uh, Christie used this experience to produce a series of tanks that could operate with tracks when in combat or just on their road wheels when out of combat. So what you're saying is his plan was if you were going to be using this on a daily basis or you were driving to a battle place that you would hop, take off the tracks and use the road wheels, just drive normal. But if you were going off-road into combat, that's when they would put the tracks back on yes. and go out in the trenches and stuff. Yes, like. yes. Okay, I understand now. The tracks just actually folded back up onto the fender um, the way it was designed to work. And the tracks were actually kept there on the tank while they were driving down the road on the road wheels. But, yeah, when they got back into into the battle areas, they'd be able to just to put the tracks on pretty easy and, and go from there. Gotcha. Um, and, and the reason for this was that the tracks is probably one of the weakest points on the tank. I mean, that's where they had the most breakdowns from was was the failure of the tank tracks. I mean... We're throwing tr tracks. Yeah, yeah. I, any tanker knows that you're going to break tracks. So he's saying, it's great, great, you know. Yeah. Let's take the tracks... And use them when they need to be used. Yeah, save the wear and tear on them. And, Let, let's use yeah. them in combat, down in the trenches. But when you get back on the road, let's use tires. Yeah. That is yeah. That's a genius it idea. It is. It really is. Um, his original idea was to produce a single chassis that could be used either used as either a tank or a truck. But this then evolved into the Christie medium tank, the M1919. On November 22, 1919, the Army ordered a single 
example of the M1919 from Christie's Front Drive Motor Company. Um, but it took some time to sort out the details. And the final specification wasn't approved until June 8th of 1920. I apologize. Lightning was sitting over here just pawing. Oh, I, oh she I, is. I apologize. Yeah. She, she has been super active, people. We need to video her. Yes, Because everybody's like, why are they, you know, you know, starting and stammering? <laughs> Let me say, there's nothing worse than cat butt in your face and you're trying exactly. to talk into a mic. Yeah. Like right now. Yeah. Russ, turn around and take a look where she's at. So up here. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, she's on the back of my chair. On the back of his chair. Yeah. Smacking me in the oh, back yeah, of the head. Yeah. I feel like I'm around my mom again. She's up and down all the time. <laughs> my mom <laughs> smacked me in the head a lot. That explains probably a lot. Yeah, it does. Um, we did get to see this Christie, and one of the things that you said that it could be used as a truck, one of the things I noticed on the back of the Christie, you could actually put a hitch back there and use it as a hauling vehicle, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Christie was a genius he was he was just a terrible businessman <laughs> yeah you put it yeah. put Customer, it correctly there the, yeah. cu- the customer's always right no they're not you're a bunch of jerks yeah yeah all right well that's why he didn't stay in business <laughs> yeah uh the m 1919 it had a simple box hole split into the driver gunner and engine compartments it had a circular flat-sided turret with a flat top and it was armed with a 57-millimeter gun and a large ball mount. Now, the 57 was originally on the T-34-85. No, T-34, Russian tank. But there's there's an interesting story about that. Keep going, I'm sorry. <laughs> now, was it on the coaxial, the 57? No, no. Nah. It also had a coaxial 30-inch 30, 30 machine gun along with oh, the 57-millimeter okay, okay, okay. gun. On top of the main turret was a smaller dome-shaped turret that carried a ball-mounted Browning machine gun. Hot dog. Uh, Both turrets had a 360-degree traverse. It was powered by a 120-horsepower Christie six-cylinder engine. Now, if you guys want to look up Christie, he was also a big-time race car guy. Um, he was a, uh, I think that's how he got famous was driving, yeah. driving race cars, right? Yes. Yes. That's where he got his start into the engineering part. Yes. So he's like, Hey, I can make a tank. Yeah. I'm going to make it go quick. Heck yeah. And I'm going to give it great guns and great ammo. Yeah. And give it, give it a great suspension. Great idea. It was. Too bad he was a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> the main selling point of the M1919, uh, was it suspension. At this point, Christie had yet to develop the Christie suspension, for which he became famous, and the M1919 used a different system than that. It had four large wheels at the corners, each given rubber tires. The drive wheels were at the rear. In the middle was a center bogey with two further road wheels carried on coil springs. Um, this bogey could be raised for trackless running or lowered if the tracks were installed and could take the entire weight of the vehicle. Uh, the tracks were 15 inches wide and had teeth on the inside that engaged uh, with holes in the frame of the rear drive wheels to provide the power. Wow. Uh, the M1919 was delivered to the Aberdeen Proving Grounds in February of 1921 and underwent tests that lasted until... April 21st of that year, uh, when Christie asked for them to 
modifications. Yeah, yeah, they wanted to they wanted him to suspend that testing that tank while he made some modifications to the design. Well, during that period, how many miles did they put on that thing? They put about 374 miles on this test in 1919, of which 37 and a half of those were on tracks. It showed to have a top speed of about 7 miles per hour on the tracks and about 13 miles per hour on the wheels. I'm going to beat the cat. <laughs> um, now, you say 7 miles per hour. That still beats what we had with for the FT-17. Oh, yes, by a long and, shot, and, yes. So that's quick. And at yeah. 13 miles per hour, that's real quick. Yes, yeah. They brought the rebuilt tank. Uh, remember, he suspended the testing of the 1919. Uh, they brought the rebuilt tank to the Aberdeen Proving Grounds in March of 1922. Uh, in that gap, Christie had modified the suspension, removed the turret, and placed the main guns in the front in the whole front. Uh, but the M1921 didn't impress the folks that were testing it, and tests of that ended in July of 1924. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're hearing somebody like hitting your mic, the cat is rubbing its face on the mic, and it's trying to jump on the back of Russ's chair. <laughs> Lightning, uh, we love you, but yep. you've got to go, man. Oh, man. Yeah. She's, um, she's... So basically, he made it from 7 miles an hour to 10, so he only added 3 miles per hour. Yeah. But back then, that's a huge that's leap. not bad, yes. Give us some stats. Uh, yeah, it had a crew of three people in it. It weighed about 13 and a half tons. Like I said earlier, it had the Christie six-cylinder, 120-horsepower, water-cooled engine. And oh, so it was water-cooled, not air-cooled egg, like the yeah, rest. Yeah, a little, right. little step up there. All right, so that's it a bonus. It had the 57-millimeter gun and then another machine gun. And get this, the armor all the way around was between about a quarter-inch to one-inch thick. What? <laughs> that's it? That's it. Well, I mean, that's the same armor. Yeah. That's better armor than the FT-17. Yeah. So, yeah, I still, I want this, I want thicker armor. Yeah, exactly. If, if it's less than an inch and you're firing the 30-odd six at me. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. something a little thicker. Yeah. But go ahead. Keep going. Uh, yeah, the Christie Medium Tank M1921. Uh, was a greatly modified version of the earlier uh, M1919. Uh, it was a turretless tank designed to be operated with or without the tracks, just like the, the first one was designed. Uh, it had four main road wheels, just like the first one, which could be used alone without the tracks. Um, the M1921 was a significantly different vehicle to the M1919, um, the turret had been removed, and a larger hole structure was installed. Uh, the combination gun mount from the turret had been installed in the front of the hole, and two more machine guns were carried on the front corners of the hole. Uh, again, I I think Chris is a genius, but if you're taking away the turret, the millet, the army will not like that. Yeah. They will not call it a tank. Yeah. So he... He's like, oh, I don't, I don't like the turret. Exactly. It's not what you like, man. Uh, it's what you can sell. Yeah. Uh, the crew was actually increased from three to four in the M1921. Good. Good. It had two gunners in the nose, uh, 
and the driver and the commander in the rear in the center of the vehicle. Good. And the fuel capacity was also increased over the M1919. So he's making good. Yeah, he's making progress. Okay. Uh, the suspension was also modified. Uh, the rear drive wheels were unchanged and remained unsprung with holes for the track teeth to engage. The front wheel was mounted on coil springs installed in the sides of the front hole. Uh, the two-wheel bogey was replaced with two larger road wheels, uh, still smaller than the main wheels. So he's making different um, changes to the vehicle. Yes. But if I remember right, it was the M1928 was the first design to use his uh, Christie suspension, right? Yes, that is correct. Um, if you get a chance, people, you need to go online yes. and pull up a picture of the Christie suspension. Because you will see it in some of the Russian tanks, and we're going to talk about that story here in a sec. Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah. Um, some of the stats, yeah, he had four crew members, weighed about 14 tons, didn't really add a lot of weight to it with this particular modification. Um, guns were about the same on the 1921. But the speed's a lot different. Yeah, maximum speed, 14 miles an hour on the wheels. So he's getting the speed up there quite a bit. And like Charlie said a while ago, um, the next um, version of the Christie tank, medium tank, was the M1928. It was the first armored vehicle to use the famous Christie suspension and was thus the origin of a large number of later tanks. The, it was his first attempt to produce a tank capable of operating with or without the tracks. Uh, the M1919 and the 1921 had actually ended in failure with the 1921 found to be unreliable and hard to maneuver. He returned to the, Mr. Christie returned to the drawing board and came up with a new suspension system, which he installed on the M1928. The new system used four large road wheels on each side of the vehicle, and each wheel was carried on a pivoting arm, which was supported by a large coil spring. Well, now I have a question about cats for our audience. Um, as you can see here in the background a little bit, lightning is licking the back of my head. So if we have any cat owners, why does a cat want to lick people's <laughs> arms and heads and hair? Well, I might ask, when was the last time you washed your hair, though? Uh, 1987, <laughs> 86? That may have something to do with it. Oh. <laughs> see? See how Russ picks oh, on the fat kid? Oh, man. So you said it had two solid rubber tires with a gap between them? Yeah, um, and that actually added a further level of suspension and also reduced the road noise as it was going down the road. Nice. Power went to the rear wheel drive wheels, uh, which were raised off the ground. Well, when the M1928 was operating without its tracks, chains linked the drive wheels to the rear road wheels to provide the power. Wow. So it still had that 57-millimeter gun. Yeah, everything else was basically about the same. Yeah, I do want to mention that the M1928 um, was talking about speeds earlier. Um, it actually managed to average a speed of about 28 mile an hour on a run one time from Fort Meade to Gettysburg, um, going one way on tracks and the other on wheels. Wow. And in ideal circumstances, it could reach an impressive 70 mile an hour on wheels and 42 mile an hour on tracks. So, so he made a huge improvement on the speed with this version. 
So when he finally got the you know, suspension and he got the motor right and, and he's got his 57 millimeter, he's like, listen, this is the fastest tank around. This thing will do, what, 47? He was starting to get um, so the, Army, the attention of, of several other countries. So the Army was now time. interested. Yeah, the Army was interested as well as actually the Soviet Union ordered two Christie tanks. Um, which became the basis of the massive BT series of tanks, uh, which saw extensive combat during the Second World War. So, basically, he was kind of, he didn't get along with the Army. You know, he made this great tank that will go 42 miles an hour. It's got a great gun. It's got great suspension. You can use tracks. You know, he came up with everything, and it's got armor. Yeah. But he's so hard-headed that the Army finally says, we're not going to deal with you. Yeah. You might have the best tank in the world, but we're, we're just not going to order you. So he goes to the Soviet Union, and he tries to sell it over there. Did they actually buy it, or did they just take delivery of it? I think they did buy maybe one, or they ordered two, but they never paid him. And the funny thing is... And this is not an insult against the Soviet Union. We, I know we have uh, listeners in the for, former Soviet Union. And a lot of people like uh, Russian uh, military tanks. We're just saying at that point, Christie had sent these cars over, or, or you know, these tanks. And uh, the Russians, or the Soviets at the time, were like, oh yeah, we can tell. You have, you're a genius and... You know, you're so smart, and da-da-da, and he's like, yep, 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 I'm great, I'm great. We're going to order a couple of these. They took his design and didn't pay him a dime. Yeah, yeah. Told him beat feet. <laughs> he's like, hey, you know, somebody's got to, you know, write me a check. Exactly. And they're like, yeah, yeah it's in the mail, yeah, Jack. Too late. So you should have probably been a little bit cooler with the Americans and yeah. got, got your money. Yeah. Because the American military will pay for its tanks. Yeah. The Russians, uh, Stalin, you know, Comrade Stalin wasn't going to write you a check. Yep. But he was going to take your design, buddy. <laughs> Not a good business plan. We mentioned that uh, the speeds of this particular model of the Christie medium tank um, was greatly improved um, over the over the previous designs. 42 mile per hour on the tracks and about 70 mile an hour on the wheels. And the biggest reason for that is not sure what they took out of it, but uh, the tons went from a, what about 13 tons car down to 8.6 tons on this design. So that probably took a lot of weight off of it to help out the speed. Yeah. Maybe not using such a heavy iron, maybe yeah. using more steel and instead of using rivets or looking down welds. here, it looks like they, down the armor, down to just half an inch, probably all the way around. That probably had a little bit to do with it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you uh, one of the other things. Uh, he had a motor in that thing called a Liberty, right? Yeah. And it was a 12-cylinder. Yeah, Liberty V12, 338 horsepower. So that was a lot more power. <laughs> a lot more power. But remember, people, uh, I think we talked about the Pershing last episode. With its 500 horsepower, this is what, a couple hundred behind it? Yeah. That's it? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that Pershing was underpowered. <laughs> it was. 
The Christie M 1931, the medium tank T3 combat car T1, was the first of Christie's tanks to be accepted for production by the U.S. Army and was used in small numbers by the infantry as the medium tank T3 and the cavalry as the combat car T1. So you had the infantry, Army infantry, that used it as the medium tank T3 and then the cavalry actually called the same tank the combat car T1. Now for our friends that played the digital tanks, um, I think even in War Thunder, they don't have the T1 combat car, they actually have the T7. And basically it's the T1 here in reality is the same thing. So if everybody's wanting to see what a combat car looks like, you'd want to type in a T7 combat car. Uh, the Army decided to order a tank based on the M1928, equipped with a 37mm gun and a full traversing turret. The first of these was delivered as the M1931 early in 1931 and was the first of seven to be produced by Christie for the U.S. Army. When used by the infantry, they were known as the convertible medium tank T3. And like I said before, when they were used by the cavalry, they were called the combat car T1. Right. Now, what people don't know at this point, the Russians are redoing their entire lines with his design. This will soon turn into the BT series and the T-34 will still originally have that 57 millimeter gun and the Christie suspension. Yeah. So Christie's seeing millions of these T-34s and BT tanks and he's like, yeah. hey, that's my <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> well, you maybe should have yeah. got a better deal, buddy. Yeah. Uh, the next version of the medium Christie tank would be the medium tank T4 uh, or the medium tank M1. It was the last medium tank to use the Christie style convertible running gear and was based on the combat car T4. Uh, it self-developed from the Christie 9, M1931 or the medium tank T3. In 1933, the Rock Island Arsenal then produced a modified version of the design as the combat car T4. This was about one ton lighter at 9.6 tons. It used the Christie suspension system, was entirely armed with machine guns, and had sloped frontal armor. Uh, the next version here, yeah, the medium tank T4 was also built at the Rock Island Arsenal and was partly based on the combat car T4. Uh, same length as the combat car, but wider and slightly higher. The T4, I believe... Well, I know it got up to, what, about 37 miles per hour? Yeah. But it's... Remember, we're talking about this combat car, and I know it's, uh, it's a lot of technical stuff, but it was very fast, but it was not... It was more of a combat car than a tank. Yeah. But it's important to understand that the Christie C, uh, system and everything and the speed yeah. of these tanks are coming along to give you a better idea of what the Scout tanks were starting to look into. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Um, the T4, which was the last version of the Christie tank, <laughs> this, this was the one we actually got to see at the U.S. Army Armor and Cavalry Collection at uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, when we, did, when, we, when we went down there on uh, Veterans Day. 
and it's an amazing tank. Um, we actually got to look inside, and this is one that the Army had that Christie actually built for them, I believe, correct? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. A- and, you know, again, great tank, great idea, just had no business sense. Yeah. Couldn't get along with the Army. Yeah, that is true. Um, I believe um, that kind of wraps up our Well, how long have we been episode? going? Oh, wow. We've been going about 45 minutes so well, far this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, we, we apologize to make it so long, but we have so much fun. And we want to get you to get into contact with us more and give us ideas that tanks you want us to talk about or things that you want to clarify. Um, I've been called out a couple of times on some mistakes uh, that I've been making in translations. You know, there's people out there that speak German, and they're like, you keep saying Jag Panzer, and it's not actually, uh, you know, Jag. And it's, uh, please send us, you know, correct on how to speak these cities and stuff like that that we keep messing up on. Can you give us some other contact information, Russ? Yeah, you can always email us at uh, twotankersandcat at gmail.com, twotankersandcat at gmail.com. You can always find us there on the Podbean website, um, twotankersandcat.podbean.com. Facebook, if you haven't liked us yet on Facebook, please do. We need help. Yes, big time on that. Like I said, I believe we're up to about 50 likes so far um, at the taping of this podcast here. And, I mean, can you share imagine, us. Share us you, out there. Can you imagine the lightning the cat compared to all the other weird cats like Grumpy Cat and everything else? And she was only getting 50 likes. Yeah. That's outrageous. Oh, I know. An internet cat with only 50 likes. She, told, she told me the other day it kind of makes her sad. <laughs> Um, we can also be found on iTunes, uh, the Android Play Store podcast site, and TuneIn. I did just recently add us to the TuneIn podcast. Um, if you have TuneIn set up with your Amazon Alexa, you can even listen to us now um, using your Amazon Alexa. <laughs> Every time you say it, Alexa, your light oh, she yeah. comes on. She comes on. Yeah. She's, she's, she's always improving, and I might not have it quite right. Yeah, she's talking to me now. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and end this podcast. This is Charlie. And this is Russell. And until next time, happy tanking. Why are you crazy? Yeah. Oh, what are you crazy?